You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday. It is time for a Mental Health Monday, a very special one today. Uh, we're going to zero in on self-care today with a wonderful guest. So exciting. I know. I'm, every time I see her name on the calendar, I just get so excited. You have to stick around and find out who her guest is today because it's a great topic as well. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It's nice to have you back, by the way. Oh, yes. Thanks we for- had a eventful vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A fun one, though. For a, It's nice to have you back for a Mental Health Monday. Yes. So These for- are my favorite. Well, <laughs> on the list of favorites, I should say. <laughs> Joining us today, Dr. Beverly Yonke, Executive Director for Spiritual Counsel with Doxology. Dr. Yonke, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with both of you. We have been throughout, we have Mental Health Monday throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. During the month of May, kind of zeroed in on some special topics for Mental Health Monday. And I know May is over. Uh, it's June now, it but we're June. continuing uh, some of these special topics for Mental Health Monday. Today, going to zero in on self care and developing a plan for self care. Um, let's talk about, from your perspective, Dr. Yonke, why do we need a plan for self care? What a great place to begin. Look around you. <laughs> You'll see why we need a self-care plan. The people as they are creeping out of the claws of this COVID pandemic are emerging weary and frustrated and exhausted and looking for refreshment of all sorts. And you know, we probably could benefit from a self-care plan because we think plans for everything else are useful. We have weekly menus and grocery lists and children's play dates, weekend baseball games and barbecues, and we plan those exquisitely. We think about everything and everybody else, but rarely do we think about me, myself, and I, kind of the unholy trinity, but when do we need a self-care plan? All right, let's look at basics. When we want to continue to feel vital and healthy, and effective and encouraged and engaged, and we want to find greater satisfaction in connecting to the people in the world around us. Uh, those are great prompts to lead us in the direction of considering a self-care plan. But particularly as we're coming out of the you know the COVID days, and we're feeling weary or burned out or chubby <laughs> or discouraged. <laughs> disengaged, isolated. This is Monday, so that's a good time for this. Uh, (laughs) Sleep deprived or feeling just less satisfied or less effective than we can be. We get to the point where we say, you know, I can have more of the same or I can try something different. And the self-care plan might be something different, well worth trying. I feel like you're describing like most of my Monday right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, but I I think uh, something that we should maybe tangent into a little bit is what actually is self-care. Um, we're talking about these plans and talking about making yeah. a plan. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions or misunderstandings um, about what self-care actually means, especially from our Lutheran worldview. Can you give us like a super brief rundown of super what that brief. Like. Super <laughs> brief. You've obviously not spoken with me recently. Uh, a self-care, what is it? You know, if you were to Google 
self-care plans, I bet that in a fraction of a second, you would find hundreds of thousands of responses to that. And nearly everyone would be reasonable. Um, I prefer to think of a self-care plan as an intention um, to move towards living in a healthier way, in a soothing and effective way, making uh, planned, wise efforts to improve our quality of life, kind of on a daily and an ongoing basis. And the self-care plan is ordinarily rooted in our acknowledgement that a need exists. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't plan to do something unless a need has emerged, you know. <laughs> I can't see through the windows any longer. I need a plan to wash the windows, right? So ordinarily, a self-care plan is going to begin by just taking an inventory. How have things been going? How have you been faring? Uh, what have you been doing to cope? Uh, what kind of coping skills are and are not working for you? So a self-care plan is simply an inventory of one's own personal effectiveness and appraisal of how one's doing and a determination of some areas where you might want um, to make some improvements, right? So for many in the family of faith, <clears throat> uh, as we look at this last year and months, uh, we find that our faith has been absolutely central. It's been the centerpiece in sustaining us. Um, and even if it's been online and in media, we've discovered that an essential part of a self-care plan that we know about uh, meets our spiritual needs. Hearing the word preached, hearing the readings, participating in reading of the Psalms, uh, singing the hymns. And so part of every Christian self-care plan in COVID or out is an understanding we're going to be refreshed by God's promises. We're going to be refreshed by the reminder that he will be with us and he'll never forsake us. And he loves us and will provide for us. And he will equip us one day at a time for everything that comes into our life. And so we wrap all that in prayer and meditation. And so for most Christians, we have this wonderful piece of a self-care plan exquisitely uh, in place. Why are we reluctant to, <laughs> to, to care for self? Mm -hmm. Like the, the phrase self-care plan, mm -hmm. I'm sure makes some of us a little uncomfortable because it involves the word self. Why are we uncomfortable with that? Uh, we are Christians. And so, you know, me, myself, and I are not the words we ordinarily start off our sentences uh, with using those. We tend to be focused on others, caring for others, loving others. Um and worse, it's one more thing to do. <laughs> and if I put one more thing on my list, I might as well just go into a cave, become a, uh, you know, a hermit, and not worry about anything else. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the business HR director who sent out a memo saying, you know, all of us should just try to decompress a bit by talking with our colleagues. And people looked at one another and said, Talking to our colleagues is causing us stress. Why would we do something to cause us more stress? So it's one more thing to do. It's one more thing to fuss about. It's one more thing to keep track of. And it's easier not to. And so at a time when energy uh, is perhaps not at the 90th percentile, um, it's easier not to do one more thing, especially if the words sit up or broccoli happen to pop out to the list. I like broccoli. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> String beans live large. <laughs> so, if uh, how do we how do we approach this then? How do we start uh, putting together Ooh. a self care plan that works for us and for our vocation and our schedule and, and all of those things? Oh, great question! Uh, it depends how OCD you are. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> you know, if you're very OCD, open an Excel spreadsheet. If you're not quite so OCD. Take out a sheet of paper, sit in a comfortable chair, put your dog in your lap, and think a little bit. Ordinarily, a self-care plan is the result of some careful observations we've made about ourselves. We have to be aware of something before we plan to address anything. And ordinarily, it's a desire for things to be better, things to be different. Usually, a desire for things to be healthier or more satisfying. So ordinarily, you look at some of the big puzzle pieces in our life, and some of those puzzle pieces could be, for example, uh, mental health and emotional needs. Um, current surveys, as we're coming out of COVID, tell us that across the nation, depression has increased threefold. That's huge. Wow. Anxiety has increased threefold. Uh, more than one-third of Americans surveyed say that COVID uh, has had a serious impact on their mental health. That's not to say they were functioning exquisitely well before COVID, <laughs> right? Um, and so we find there's some real serious issues. Uh, suicidal ideation among uh, 18 to 24-year-olds is off the chart. Uh, and so people report feeling demotivated, discouraged, demoralized, and, and have had times of hopelessness as they see their plans derailed and, and they're grieving for their kids. Uh, the kids' schoolrooms have been gone, kids' concerts and plays and dances and graduation. It's been gone. And so a huge part of a self-care plan is simply going to be an appraisal. How am I doing in terms of mental health and emotional needs? Take a look at your personal fitness. Sorry, for some people, that's like saying, you ignorant person, how can you eat donuts? But it could be fitness that's on your list. Um, some people have done little more than uh, carry heavy burdens emotionally, and that's not fitness. Uh, some people have walked around the block, which is nice. But for an awful lot of us, there's been very little activity, chasing the kids, chasing the dog. A lot of people have lost muscle mass and some have lost the habit of working out or the desire to work out. And they found that baggy clothes are wonderful. You know, So you want to look at fitness. Is that an issue, an area? So you begin to examine some of the areas in your life. Could it be our nutrition? Speaking of broccoli, um, <laughs> it could be weight. Uh, if we believe the surveys, and I think we probably should, uh, the average person has gained 29 pounds during COVID. Is that amazing? Wow. Uh, the average millennial gained even more. I'm so glad I'm not a millennial. 29 pounds is enough. Um, and so there's some whole new nutrition habits that aren't particularly good. It's One family told me they pick up a bag at Arby's and McDonald's and distribute it for dinner every night. How's that for eating abundantly and well? Uh, other families have just simplified things that have been surviving on granola bars and hot dogs and soup. Uh, worse, we've all been 
within arm's reach of food. Lots of comfort food. It gives us comfort. It works. Comfort food delivers. Gives us energy. Um, And how do we kind of entertain ourselves? We bake with the kids. We bake (laughs) cakes. We bake cookies. Well, that's okay. Uh, But then we eat them, which is less okay. So an awful lot of people have stopped counting calories um, because they needed to treat themselves when there was so little else to make them feel well. So nutrition is a huge area for self-appraisal in saying, is this something I need to look at in my plan? Social isolation. Um, So many have been working from home and their dining room table kind of looks like a classroom or a business desk. And a lot of people have been stuck connecting by Zoom lately. Some people have said, uh, Wall Street Journal editors, I forgot how to interact with human beings. Well, that's not good. Um, <laughs> Zoom fatigue is real. And so some people have just drifted away from all of their best interpersonal habits. And they've lost their habits of having fun with other people. Or they've lost their confidence about interacting. So that's an area. Another area could be sleep. How's your rest? How's your sleep been? Um, Stress interrupts sleep. Anxiety interrupts sleep. Depression interrupts sleep. So our screen time is up and off the charts. And our rest generally isn't as good as it should be. Um, So we're not surprised that sleep and feeling rested appears in a lot of sleep plans. Another area, financial equilibrium, could be out of whack. Uh, People spending online, as you might guess, is astronomically high. Um, And some of those checks from Uncle Sam, uh, some of those checks have funded more spending. And budgeting was radically different. And and some families now have a surplus of cash or saying, we need to spend money. So planning about that would be good. So, I mean, there are major areas we can look at. uh, But the beginning is simply to say, What are the areas where some changes in my life would be welcome? Am I coping as well as I'd like? What kind of strategies might I want to look at? So that's kind of the big picture. And that's a helpful big picture. So it starts with setting aside some time to sit down and do an appraisal, whether it's on a color-coded spreadsheet or just a (laughs) pen or a pencil and some paper in the easy chair and sitting down and, and thinking through all of those areas emotional and, and social, spiritual, physical well-being and, and movement and nutrition, mm-hmm. all those are, are, are certainly helpful. We have more to talk about with Dr. Beverly Yonke. She's Executive Director for Spiritual Council with Doxology. We're going to continue talking about a uh, self-care plan and uh, figure out how to make the most of that and ensure that we, we use a self-care plan. We'll continue that conversation right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. 
Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are talking a self-care, self-care plan with Dr. Beverly Yaki. She's executive director for Spiritual Counsel with Doxology. So you've, you've laid out uh, all the areas where we should, um, w- when we're starting a self-care plan, to, to do that appraisal, um, emotional and, and spiritual and um, physical, including uh Physical activity or exercise, as some might call it, I like to refer to it as physical activity because sometimes we have negative connotation with the word exercise. And then the rest and then nutrition or food habits as well, um, and, and financial equilibrium. You mentioned that as well. All all good areas to consider um, as we develop that plan. So let's say we we've done this appraisal, and we found some areas where we need to. To, we're doing well and some areas where we need to make some improvement. So we, we develop a plan of how we want to go that. Any tips or anything that's important for us to know as we develop that plan, as we're considering where to make improvements? Imagine my surprise. Of course, there are some <laughs> tips. <laughs> uh, the plan could be as simple or complex as you need for it to be, but I'm going to probably weigh in and say that the plan should probably be pretty simple, pretty straightforward, because you're likely pretty quickly to become overwhelmed by this monstrous master plan that just (laughs) consumes every free moment of your time for the next week. Simplicity is really hugely important in terms of the likelihood of succeeding. Uh, Think about New Year's resolutions, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes the plan of New Year's uh, resolutions overwhelm us, and by January 2nd, we've given up. Uh, the success of New Year's resolutions really gives us some ideas about tips for the success of a personal care plan. When we look at uh, everybody on December 31st, we're all convinced and convicted and desirous of change, but just 8% of people are able to achieve their goals. That's not so good. Uh, the surveys tell us that by about January 12th, 80% of all people have given up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think another 15% have given up by January 2nd. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I think New Year's resolutions are so predictive is 55% of most people's New Year's resolutions are health-related, mm-hmm. exercising, better diets. And because we're such perfectionistic people, we create these horribly unrealistic expectations, which explains why so many people fail. The more realistic our expectation for change, the more likely we're going to be able to do what's required to sustain and feed the change. Um, So I'm going to recommend that if you're cobbling together a self-care plan, that you really start with small changes. If you start out saying, all right, I think the self-care plan thing is valuable, and yes, I'm going to revise everything in my life. You are doomed to failure. Um, If, for example, you look at one of the areas and you say, my sleep is off, I I wake up, I don't feel rested, I'm thinking about it all the time, it bugs me, I don't feel energized. I'm just going to focus on one area to start with. There are some gurus who would say, oh my, what ill will, what lack of commitment. No, I guess I would say, um, allow yourself 
to have successes. Allow yourself to establish expectations that are doable, that are reasonable. And so you can build on the small successes. So set a goal, perhaps in one of the areas, and then determine what three strategies do I want to pick in service of this goal? So let's say, well, you know, I'm feeling like uh, one of those chubby bunnies. And uh, because I'm a super performer, I've gained 49 pounds. If I do something, I do it big. So maybe you're going to pick the area you want to start working on in terms of fitness or physical activity, not to uh, trigger anyone with the word exercise. (laughs) So you set the goal, write down your goal. Why? Because otherwise you'll forget it on your way to the kitchen to pick up some Twinkies. Write down your goal. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, something that you're going to cross stitch and, and put in a frame, but put it in a place that you'll see it regularly. I'm going to work on nutrition I want to be healthier. And maybe you make a post-it note. You put it on the bathroom mirror. You put a little one on your desk or one on the dashboard in your car. So it's quietly screaming at you. You said you wanted to do this. And then once you've written down the goal, identify several strategies that will help you to make the change. Don't count on any one single strategy uh, to be a magic wand. Besides, we frown on magic wands in the Lutheran Church, so don't count on any one thing to do it. Do it all. Do it quickly. So say you've gone ahead and uh, you've written down the goal, I want perhaps to look at increasing my physical activity. And you realize that four years ago for Christmas, uh, a friend gave you a Fitbit and you've put it in your drawer where it will be safe and won't gather dust. So go unbox that puppy, and maybe one of your strategies is, I'm gonna find my Fitbit, put it on, read the instructions, get acquainted with it, see how it works. Another one of the strategies may be, you know, I'm just going to uh, time myself and see how long it takes me to casually, simply walk around the block. Or you might say, I'm going to see if I can stay on the treadmill for 10 minutes without a heart attack at a low speed. (laughs) So those are your strategies. And the strategies, you'll notice, allow you to measure success. Goals that allow for you to have measurable outcomes are terrific. Because as messed up as B.F. Skinner may have been, he was right about one thing. Reinforcement counts. Reinforcement works. So you've timed yourself walking around the block and discovered that it takes you 16 minutes and 42 seconds. You do it after work tomorrow and something way down deep inside of you says, I bet I can do it in 16 minutes and 39 seconds today. And you create this small competition with yourself which usually within a period of month has you running the last 50 yards so you can keep improving your time. Make it competitive, make it fun, record your numbers, record the number of Fitbit steps every day, record your time walking around the block, recording at what point the medics came in to scrape you off the treadmill. Uh, 
Oh, yes, it was 82 minutes. And then I heard the sirens and passed out. It was lovely. But keep a record. And the record is so remarkably important because it encourages you and you tell yourself, I can do this. I'm having success. This is far better than I ever imagined. Because you had a reasonable goal, you targeted one area, and you focused on it. Celebrate the successes. And if you're kind of uh, flying solo in your life right now, if you're single, um, have an accountability partner. That sounds very Baptist, doesn't it? Uh, but an accountability partner might be a celebration partner. Somebody you check with from time to time and say, you know, I started on the treadmill for 15 minutes and now I'm up to 35 minutes. Is that cool or not? It helps to have people uh, either cheering us on, knowing our goals, or, you know, maybe even setting our feet to the fire. But the takeaway here in starting the plan is simplicity. Um, what are two things I'd be willing to do differently to make my sleep better? What are two things I'd be willing to do differently to work on better nutrition? Instead of something so complex, you need an executive assistant to walk you through it. So go away from the big plan, move toward the specific plan. Write it down, count, measure your success, and communicate it to at least one other person. And if that sounds like work, um, it probably is, but it's important. So it sounds like uh, this is setting ourselves up for success, uh, making small manageable goals, giving yourself some some grace maybe also because these these are our uh, changes to our routines. Those take time. Uh, takes, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, three, four, five, six, seven weeks to make those changes, but to to stick at it and have have people um, have, have that accountability person uh, to help keep you on track. Um, can, we have just about just about 30 seconds left. Uh, any other tips for um, staying on top of these plans, uh, sticking with it and, and making sure that we're successful in this self-care so it's not just uh, another thing to make us overwhelmed? Wrap what you're doing in prayer. Uh, bring before the throne of our Heavenly Father all the things that are causing you concern um, or discouragement. And uh, be confident that he will equip you thoroughly to do everything pleasing to him one day, one plan at a time. <laughs> and Doxology has been doing some wonderful retreats across the country for pastors uh, this past year. How can the Take Heart retreats be part of a self-care plan for pastors? The Take Heart retreats have been so well received, largely because pastors don't have a self-care plan. And we're able to talk with them about that and encourage them to unplug from all of their responsibilities and focus entirely on something other than the requirements of other people. Um, and so the, the respite program allows them to step away for mutual encouragement, reflecting on some of the nonstop challenges of ministry they've had for the last year. Um, and to examine some resiliency tools and spiritual gifts, which influence their ability to handle all that stress, difficult situations, and to continue to serve faithfully. So uh, we encourage pastors to continue to look for the respite retreats in their area. In fact, we're even going out to California. They finally found the key to the state and opened it up. So uh, we're excited about meeting and greeting all kinds of new friends. So for our pastor friends or those who want to encourage their pastors, check out doxology.us. 
Uh, I believe you can find information there about the Take Heart Retreats, correct? Absolutely. Very good. Very good. Dr. Yonke, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, helping us walk through a self-care plan, why it's important and how to start it and how to keep that plan as well. Thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.